This is an ABC podcast. Uh, I'd like to reiterate what I said uh, when I accepted this role, that it's an honour and a privilege to serve this game. Um, best game in the world. That's why everyone loves it so much. Do you remember that? That was an emotional Gil McLaughlin a year ago as he announced he'd be stepping down as chief executive of the AFL. Well, it's taken a little bit longer than expected for him to actually move on, but his tenure's largely held a reputation of a boss who's been collaborative, a master dealmaker, who liked to be liked, don't we all? The industry is a buzz that Andrew Dillon, the GM of AFL Footy Operations, is about to succeed him. So who is he? And what might the AFL look like under his tenure? That in a moment, plus the weekend forecast for both footy codes and sound bites. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily. Corbin Middlemass is a football commentator for ABC Sport in Melbourne. Corbin, Andrew Dillon appears to be edging closer to being named the next CEO of the AFL. And I want you to tell us what kind of chief exec he might be if Andrew Dimitri was the bullish, conquering visionary and Gil McLaughlin was collaborative, charismatic, liking to be liked, dealmaker... Who will Dylan be? Going on his persona that he has at the moment, and who knows, maybe as the chief executive, he'll come out of his shell a little bit as a, as a sort of media performer. But I would imagine he takes over a game which is in pretty good nick. So, of course, there's always things that you want to try and sharpen up. But I imagine he will be sort of conservative, down the line, sort of keep the ship running straight and just make sure they don't hit any icebergs on the way through. I think one of his, his challenges is going to be how he presents himself publicly because you, you mentioned Demetrio and the way that he was with the press. Uh, and then Gillen in particular, who yeah was very charismatic and sort of was such a great media performer and mouthpiece for the game. Yeah, you know, it was silver linings. You know, if you're going a speech and you're missing every line and it's going badly, you just go meatloaf and everyone laugh and you get away. So there was a silver lining to it, but it's... Uh, Good to get it off my, off my back, I hope. We haven't really heard much from Andrew Dillon at all for a guy that's been in the AFL now since 2000. He's a well-rounded executive for the league, given the fact he's worked in just about every single department. He was the league's first ever legal counsel when he joined back in 2000. He's worked in business affairs, national and international development, integrity and compliance, game development, and most recently as the GM of football operations. So he's had a number of different portfolios, which I think makes him a really good candidate to take over as the, the next chief executive of the league. So he's across all the briefs. What are his biggest challenges? One is obviously how he conducts himself in the press. He's going to have to obviously do a lot more of that as the, the mouthpiece to sell the game. The challenges that he's going to have in front of him uh, I think in the short term, one is going to be the concussion class action. He obviously has a legal background, and let's be honest, a lot of this is going to be fought out in the courtroom. So I think as much as that's an issue facing the game, they're, they're already making steps on field and under his brief at the moment as the, the general manager of football operations to try and limit the amount of concussions. The other one is the collective bargaining agreement, which still hasn't been signed. We're eight months overdue. So I feel like that's going to be one of the, the first key negotiating periods for him to try and come up with a, a CBA there if he does, according to reports, take over from Gillen in the in the not-too-distant future. And really, a lot of the other things seemingly have now been sorted out. So Tasmania, if you, again, believe the reports this weekend, we're going to have news on that front. And the TV deal is, is locked away for really the next six or seven years. So there's going to be a number of different things that are, uh, are going to come across his desk before he has to worry about uh, a new TV deal for the league. You mentioned Tasmania. We're, as you say, expecting a formal announcement soon, maybe this weekend. I think anyone who's an Aussie Rules fan would welcome this, but play bad cop for me. Does it make financial sense? 
This is going to be the problem. So Eddie Maguire, who knows a lot more about this than I do, obviously, given his you know, long tenure as the president of Collingwood, said during the week, you can't build a shed in footy for $750 million. And that's how much money that they've put together to try and come up with this new stadium on the Macquarie Point precinct there in Hobart. So 375 from the state government. They were all hanging out for the $240 million contribution from the feds. It looks like that's coming. But the question is, though, Stacky, so many of these stadiums have ballooned out uh, beyond budget in recent times. You look at the Gabba, they haven't even put a shovel in the ground yet, and it's already almost three times as much as what the original quote was. Perth Stadium was over budget and over time as well by the time that was delivered upon. So who's going to come up with the extra cost if the if the budget balloons out? And this is you know what the, the opposition is making the point down in Hobart, that, that that'll fall on the state government. But then there's also the football aspect as well. So do we have the talent in the competition? How are they going to put a list together? Where are the players going to come from? Tasmania in recent times, I think since 2015, have only had 3% of total players drafted come out of the state of Tasmania. So are players going to want to go and play there? There are a whole lot of things that need to be worked through before you can say this is an absolute home run swing. I feel like at the moment you've got people on one side you know, that are the clubs and the coaches nowadays that you know, clearly are trying to protect self-interest that are saying, this can't work, we don't want another team in, it's obviously going to disadvantage what we have. Then on the extreme other side, you have people with the pom-poms on saying, oh, how great is this? Finally, uh, Heartland for footy is being rewarded. Oh, I think, Stacky, I'm somewhere in the middle at the moment that I'm not totally all got my green pom-poms on saying how awesome it is and I don't think that there's no chance it can happen. I probably agree with most sound thinkers in footy that we probably need to know a little bit more as to how it's all going to look before I'm, I'm 100% on board. Old each way middle mass. Enjoy the weekend yeah. action, mate. <laughs> Thanks for your time. Anytime. Thanks, Stacky. Corbin gone. Let's look on field. There's a bit to chew on this weekend as we come down from the high of Anzac Day and the three things that we've really got our eye on are Essendon and Geelong. The Bombers went so close to knocking off Collingwood. So with everyone spruiking their legitimacy as finals contenders, how will Essendon cope with a five-day break as they take on reigning premiers Geelong who are fresh off a 93-point win? The Cats might have lost three straight to start the season, but they've now made it three consecutive victories. And if Jeremy Cameron isn't the best player in the competition, then he's awfully close. Jezza comes in and slams it through for his fifth goal of the match. Toss in a resurgent Tom Hawkins, Paddy Dangerfield and Cam Guthrie. And this cat side is purring again. One more thing on Cameron. 27 goals through six rounds. Do you reckon another bag of goals here might have everyone talking about a possible 100-goal season? I guarantee it. With the city of Adelaide still drying out after gather round into the live goal frothathon, the Crows host a Collingwood side that is probably the premiership favourite, but also probably very, very sore after Anzac Day. Just how legit is Adelaide? Will the Crows tag Nick Dacos? If it was that easy, wouldn't everyone do it? You feel like these questions might be answered this weekend as those two sides do battle. And finally, maybe an odd one to pick, but Carlton and West Coast is intriguing. The once highly fancied Navy Blues desperate for a win. The Eagles in front of their home fans in what has been a miserable season so far. If the Big Birds could muster a win here, the heat would build for Carlton coach Michael Voss. A reminder, you can catch these games and all games this weekend live on the Listen app. The link to that is in the show notes. 
Pivoting to the NRL and it's Fox League reporter Jakey Duke on the line. Jake, I've got to start with the Sharks' demolition job over the Cowboys. I think everyone is kind of focused on the latest victim of the so-called hip-drop tackle. Why is Braden Hamlin, ULA, furious? I think of some of the hip-drops we've seen so far, that was one of the more clear-cut ones for me. This time it's Braden Hamlin, Uwelly, who just throws the ball as he got to his feet at the head of Tom Chester. What have you seen from Tom Chester on Hamlin's uh, hip drop going to be called here. And have a look, he swings around the back. Ooh. Gets his ankle a little bit. But that's more than an eye than it is Chester. Maybe it would have been missed if he didn't throw the ball because they watched the replay and then thought, oh, that's a textbook hip drop. And the um, match review panel has responded. Nanai is looking at a four to five match ban on that one. If he takes the early guilty plea, four matches, uh, five matches if he fights it. And... From what we've seen so far in the NRL, you wouldn't think the Cowboys would take the punt fighting it. Their season goes from bad to worse because uh, they are struggling massively. Absolutely put to the sword last night by uh, a shark side that looks like they're, they're starting to click off the form of uh, Nico Hines. And uh, without Nanai now, that raises more questions for them and also raises questions about him and a couple of guys in his team and their form around origin, you know, will he get back enough matches? Maybe not to look into that Queensland side for game one. Yeah, it's all going horribly wrong for the Cowboys at the moment. Two teams who it's going very right for right now is Brisbane and South. They are on tonight, both playing such exciting footy. What is this fixture going to tell us about both teams, do you think? Yeah, it's a little bit of a shame the Broncos are missing two crucial guys. Obviously, no Payne Haas out for a, uh, a hip drop on what some people thought was a hip drop. Some people thought it wasn't on Regan Campbell-Gillard. Uh, no Ezra Mam as well, hip drop. And Jordan Rickey is apparently under a little bit of an injury cloud, carrying a groin issue for the Broncos. So a couple of guys to step in in Flegler and Palacia and then Jock Madden in the halves. But the Broncos still got Reese Walsh. They've still got Adam Reynolds. Plenty of strike on their edges. So they will be expecting to still win this game and win their seventh game of the season. Up, up at Suncorp, they will, uh, they will be confident. But it is a very strong south side. Getting stronger by the week. Finally got... A win over the Panthers last week, which has been their bogey side for almost two years now. Latrell, an amazing touch. Cook's got options either side. The rake shifts it to the left. Walker at the line. Second man for Mitchell. 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 Latrell dots down. Cody Walker, seven tries in his last three games. So it's just excitement and entertainment all across the field tonight. So it'll be an absolute cracker. I think maybe just South, based on the fact that there's no pain Haas. I think that's a big loss for the Broncos. South's recruit, Jack Whiten, has been the story all week. Now he has to front up for the club he's leaving against another team he knocked back. There's going to be so much focus on the Star Raider as Canberra play the Dolphins, 11th v 8th. How crucial will Whiten's performance be to the outcome here, do you think? He, it rests on him, really. It goes one of two ways, right? Either the the circus and everything that's going on around Jack detracts from his performance and, you know, Canberra need him. Or it goes the other way and he goes out there to prove a point that I'm still a Raider for the rest of this season and I'm going to help try and turn this team's kind of fortunes around and, and have one last run at a, a final spot uh, for this Raiders side. Jack really hasn't said much. Uh, Ricky Stewart hasn't really said much either. So you wonder how their relationship is, how teammates have responded to this. I think Ricky's post-match press conference will be a must-watch whether they win or lose either way. We know how unhappy uh, the Raiders are about losing uh, Jack White to South Sydney. So they'll need him to put in a good performance. Their season is kind of 
teetering at the moment. Coming up against the Dolphins, of course, who come off that record comeback against the Titans. I just continue to impress people and surprise people. So that one's out in Wagga. Love a bit of country footy. So, yeah, all eyes on Jack White in Wagga on Saturday. Jackie Duke, thanks for your time. We appreciate it. Thanks, Pat. Appreciate it, mate. A reminder, you can catch all the NRL live on the Listen app. Link, show notes. Time for sound bites. NBA heavyweight Milwaukee was considered a favourite for this year's title. So when they were rolled round one of the playoffs, it was a shock. Did star player Giannis Antetokounmpo see the season as a failure? Do you get a promotion every year on your job? No, right? So every year you work is a failure. Yes or no? No. It's not a failure. It's steps to success. Michael Jordan played 15 years, won six championship. The other nine years was a failure. That's what you're telling me. There's no failure in sports. We knew he's Greek, now we know he's philosophical. Thanasi Kokonakis also has Greek ties, but the tennis player was less cerebral in his approach to opponent Juan Munar. He appeared to tell the talkative Spaniard, bro, you don't shut up, which resulted in Munar confronting the Aussie after the match when he said, don't tell me to shut up again, to which Kokonakis replied, or what? Or what? I feel like I'm back on the bus after a long day at school and it's kicking off. And speaking of smack talk, you probably saw Stuart Broad saying the last Asher series didn't really count, in his mind anyway. But did you hear him talking about his batting plan for the coming series? Yeah, the ultimate goal is to try and net my first ball for six at some stage. Right. So, uh, because you do that in the Ashes. Oh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. It's just the freedom of the mindset, really. You yeah. then stop poking around and if something comes off, just try and whack it. It'd be nice in the Ashes to just to whack an entertaining 15. That'd be quite fun. The tail ender calls himself the Nighthawk and he's clearly sharpening his talents. Absolutely cannot wait for the Ashes. This has been ABC Sport Daily, produced by Poppy Penny. I'm Patrick Stack. Thanks to the Daily Mail, Channel 7 and BN Sports for the extra audio used in this episode. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.